Hello and welcome to episode 144 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. I am the father of the most beautiful beast in the world, Jerry. And we're coming off of a just play the best plays kind of week. Yes, that's right. It did not take Matt Patricia, aka an alleged rocket scientist, to understand that the three best plays on the week 14 slate were Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry, and Travis Kelsey. Of course, just play them and log out, right? Easy game. Well, it should have been. It should have been, my friends. But I come to you, I come to you still tilting because I did not handle the late news right. Handled it, you know, really poorly, in fact. And that's just inexcusable and, and quite frankly embarrassing. Let, let's start with the first piece of Sunday news, which was the overnight report that Irv Smith would play, but could be limited by his back injury. And we already knew Kyle Rudolph was out. You know, Irv Smith, obviously a talented dude, former first round pick. Yeah, he'd been limited in practice. And yeah, the report was from Adam Schefter, who is the absolute stone best. But the Vikings only had two tight ends on their active roster, Irv and Tyler Conklin. This is a team which loves to play two tight end sets. So at 3,100, really good athlete, really good pass catcher, good game environment, was worth the gamble, I think. At least worth thinking about over Logan Thomas at tight end. Okay, but, but we can live with that one. You know, that's okay in a vacuum. The second one, this Brendan Cooks news just comes out of nowhere. Reports emerge on Sunday morning that he's going to be inactive. Okay, so now we have Deshaun Watson, so un- unbelievably productive, down to literally two usable wide receivers and Kiki Kute and Chad Hansen. You know, why is there a lot of separation between them? Yeah, Kute has far better pedigree, but Watson was clearly fine throwing it to Hansen last week. Both would have similar usage in terms of snaps and routes run. You know, and I had no interest in Kute at 5K when we thought Cooks was going to play. But okay, okay, you know, we'll see on that one. We'll see if we need the $1,100 savings that Hansen gets us. One that I think I, one piece of late news that I did think I handled well was the Leonard Fournette news. So I'm not sure where people got the idea that Fournette being out was some huge boost to Ronald Jones. If you've been following the usage for Rojo closely, he's been the early down back. He's been the man on first and second downs. It's been long down and distance, two minute, four minute, obvious passing downs where Uncle Lenny has played, you know, almost like a James White type of role. But the Bucks have shown no inclination of wanting to use Ronald Jones in that pass down role at all, all season. And what LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn do, who were active over Leonard Fournette, what they do well, or, or what they do, you know, okay, I guess, is do those pass game things. So I didn't think that Ronald Jones's role really changed. If the Bucks got a lead, if they played well, he was going to play a ton and, and perform well, I thought. Maybe the floor got raised a little bit without the threat of landing to come in in the event of a Rojo fumble or something like that. But I didn't really think it would change significantly. So I was happy with that decision uh, to not really uh, land on Ronald Jones. Surprise, other people gave Ronald Jones such a big bump. But anyway, the big one that hurt me in the micro sense was Curtis Samuel. So at like 12.45 p.m. Eastern, the Panthers' official account tweets out their starting lineup, which you guys know, I mean, typically means nothing. But Curtis Samuel is not in this starting lineup that they tweet out. Brandon Zystra is. And, and typically these starting lineups mean nothing because interns put them out and coaches try to send messages, but it's usually meaningless. But with this COVID stuff, man, I, you know, I got a little scared. I thought maybe a 10% chance or so this meant something, that something happened with Samuel on the COVID list, that he wouldn't have his usual role. So I got off of him 
I had a forward wide receiver lineup in with Curtis Samuel. Instead, I chose to put in J.D. McKissich over Curtis Samuel, who I didn't really like. And that allowed me the salary to get up from LT3, who I thought was fine, to Hayden Hurst. Who, I, you know, I didn't even really love, but I thought Hurst was a little bit better. Now, I'm not sure if that one was right or not. You know, like given 10% risk is probably right in cash to get off Curtis Samuel. I kept him in tournaments where I had him. So I'm not too, too upset about that one. I think it's okay. The result was really bad as the Curtis Samuel Logan Thomas side side scored 26.3 and the McKissage Hayden Hurst side scored 12.3, you know, max pain. Okay, but, but that's all micro stuff, you know. The real reason that I'm steamed up is because of the macro stuff, the bigger picture stuff. Given the Chad Hansen thing that opened up, given that we had Dallas D for cheap, given that we had Brashad Perriman and we had uh, DeAndre Washington, fitting all three of the layup plays I already mentioned, Henry, Devontae, Kelsey, wasn't that hard. Fitting all three wasn't that hard. The way to make it work was to play Jalen Hurts at quarterback. And this is what we talked about so many times. When a quarterback can run like Jalen Hurts can, I mean, the dude had 1,300 rushing yards and 20 rushing TDs in 14 games as a senior for Oklahoma. When you can run like that, your floor is so high. So yeah, I didn't think that he would fare well as a thrower at all. But given the context of the slate, did I really need Kiki over Hanson? Did I really have to play Mahomes or Rodgers? Two quarterbacks who are obviously awesome, but so much of their production goes through Kelsey and Adams, who I would have had anyways. And also, Mahomes and Rodgers don't have that dual threat upside that made Lamar so absurd last year or Kyler so absurd at points this year. So yeah, the Hurts plus studs thing, obviously in hindsight now. But I think with more time, I would have gotten there. And that's frustrating to not see things clear at lock. You know, need to get my mind right for NBA. Need to get it right for NBA where every slate is like that. News happening close to lock. I need to process it, you know. Just needs to be better. No excuses. Play like a champion. Of course, which shamelessly leads me to the sponsor of today's show, Establish Your Run NBA. So while I think you can maybe, maybe win in NFL DFS or at least be reasonable in tournaments in NFL DFS without projections, that's just not the case in NBA. You need projections. You need the best. And you need ones that react in the right way to late news immediately and do so through final lock. So Drew Dinkmeyer, you know, in my humble opinion, pretty clearly the best ever at NBA DFS. He's running our projections along with Leone Wiggins, who you guys know from NFL, and Mike Gallagher, NBA specialist. Season starts in one week. There are seven main slates a week. They all have the intensity of an NFL main slate. You know, so if you're interested, head to Establish Run and check it out. We have full season, weekly, and monthly options all up right now. Season starts on the 22nd. One thing I wanted to say about uh, McKissage and DeAndre Washington tournaments, I mean, there was a ton of opportunity cost at running back this week, I thought. Not in cash as much, maybe, but a D, uh, you know, DeAndre Washington with Tua against the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs can make teams' offenses go sideways. You know, we had D-Wash projected for 14 carries and three to four targets, which is great for 4K, but there's certainly room for that to be kind of empty. And then McKissage, I, I mean, we are pretty reliant on a 20% target share there for running back, which scares me especially in a very met offense, you know, in a med game environment. So, you know, we had some actual really good running back plays in tournaments. You know, Mike Davis workhorse role, David Montgomery workhorse role, Chris Carson expanding role, Austin Eckler, you know, in the 6K to 7K range. I wanted to get there more in tournaments, but I also wanted to do things like Keenan and Ridley correlation. 
I want to play Robbie Anderson and Allen Robinson and DK Metcalf, et cetera. So, you know, just squeezed on salary and ended up settling for these running backs. Washington and McKissick at high ownership and low ceiling. Just didn't feel great before the slate in tournaments and didn't feel great after. Okay, enough is enough. It's time for everyone's favorite portion of the program. The listener questions. Producer Luke, hit the theme music. Right. Appreciate the questions as always going to do seven today. Question one is from Railman. He says, check out this winning DraftKings million dollar lineup build. It's sick. Need to discuss on the show. So I looked at the lineup. You know, he had the Derek Carr, Nelson Aguilar stack. No one on the Colts. He had two tight ends, Mike Jasicki and Tyler Eifert. He had Dave Montgomery and Allen Robinson together. He had Big Dog and AJ Brown together. You know, two guys who don't correlate too well together given how touchdown heavy they are so so you know obviously like not a lineup that that I would have made or Leone or, or Dink would recommend making but I think I hope by now everyone understands what the small millimaker maker is the $20 buy-in millimaker. maker I hope people understand what it is it is a stone lottery you can play well and raise your chance of winning a little bit but super uncorrelated lineups and stuff that doesn't make sense can win because you need the actual stones at every spot you can't have a Mahomes double and have Kelsey play well and Tyreek play met. You know, is the tournament fun? Is the small million maker fun? Of course. You know, trying to turn $20 into a million is always fun. But it's not a bankroll builder. It's so top heavy. The rake is so high. So yeah, it's soft. There are tons of deadlines. But this whole thing of making fun of people who win a million dollars with quote unquote terrible lineups. I mean, that's not it, man. You know, that's not it. It's just a fun lotto. Now, the $500 Millie Maker that DraftKings has been doing the last few weeks, that's a sweet tournament. Um, and I got an email from an ETR subscriber on Monday who won it. You know, dude was so overjoyed and, and thankful it changed his life. I, I don't think he wants to be public, so I'm not going to say his name. But in that one, yeah. In the $500 one, I think there's a 1500 this week. You know, thoughtful lineups are going to get to the top way more often. He had a Rogers double with Adams and uh, Tanyan. He had 90% CMC, a.k.a. Mike Davis at 6% owned. He had Jonathan Taylor at 10%. He had KJ Hamler at 1%. He had Kelsey and Dallas defense chalk, you know, nice team. Even though I wouldn't have gone double tight end, you can make a very good case. Kelsey is not a tight end. So yeah, big congrats to him. You really do love to see it. But but yeah, let's stop with the big Millie maker shaming and just understand what the tournament is. It's for fun. You know, it reminds me a, a little of the parlays in sports betting. You know, like people know it's a bad bet. People know books are holding you know, 14 or 15% on parlays versus 3 to 4% on straight bets. But it's fun. You know, people don't mind. They take the worst of it. You try to turn a little bit of money into a lot. People love it. I, I get it. It's not grinding for edges and trying as hard as you can to always get your money in plus EV like I do. But I, I'm a sick pup. Like, I just can't get it in bad. It makes me feel sick to my stomach. Like, watching my friends play blackjack or roulette makes me actually feel queasy like actually queasy, like let alone me playing myself. But but not everyone has to be like me. In fact, I wouldn't recommend it. You know, just, just go in with the eyes open and know what you're playing. Have real expectations if you're playing some of these negative EV things like parlays and sports betting or, or the big Millie Maker. Question two from Jake. Would you ever consider being a cameo celebrity? If so, how much would you charge per cameo video? Yeah, first of all, I, I love cameo. I, I think it's 
awesome. Such a great idea. I wish I was able to invest in Cameo. Um, it's going to be huge. I, I mean, think about anything that people liked before tech, aka getting an autograph, and then think about it in the digital age, in the iPhone age. That's Cameo, right? Like Cameo can be the modern version, the iPhone version, the digital version of an autograph. I've used it a ton for gifts, for jokes, whatever. But the reason I wouldn't go on there, I don't think, and I mean, never say never, but I don't think I'd I'd go on Cameo is because, you know, people can really use it to, to make you look bad. Like we were just messing around, you know, but but we purchased uh, a Hugh Jackson Cameo and we told him, hey, hey, look, you know, my friend Evan, he's sick and tired of all this low T passing nonsense in the NFL. He doesn't want to watch football anymore since teams don't run enough. Can you give him a pep talk about teams needing to establish the run more? So then, you know, we got him on Cameo to go on and on about establishing the run. You know, it kind of looks silly, right? It kind of makes him look like a donkey, kind of entrapment. Now, I don't think I would fall for something like that, but I really don't think whatever money I would get from Cameo would be worth the risk of getting tricked or stuff getting taken out of context. I mean, you could say something on Cameo, you know, someone only shows five seconds of it. They don't get the jokes about the sex or the gender labs or whatever. And then the psychos are out here trying to cancel me. So yeah, I, you know, I love Cameo, but I think it's a pretty easy decision uh, for me to pass. Question three from Rockies. He says, as a 20-year-old who's been grinding DFS every day for roughly four years and turning a 10 to 15% ROI this year, should I up my stakes and entirely focus on DFS versus school? Betting on oneself and avoiding a corporate nine to five seems like a plus EV life decision to me. School will always be there if this fails. Yeah, so I get this question a decent amount in various forms. I think it's important to talk about it, you know, at least once a year. So so I appreciate the question um, and I appreciate the aspiration, Rockies, I really do. And I would never tell someone not to chase their dreams. That said, I think it's important to think about the math around this for a while. So let's say you can really beat the games at 10 to 15% ROI in NFL, NBA, and MLB, all three. And if you can do that, you know, first of all, congrats. That's really, really, really impressive. But I mean, the question is, at what stakes is this? Because in order to make a real living, we're going to have to play pretty high stakes. You know, where 10 to 15% ROI is really, 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 really difficult. For example, you know, let's say you play 1K a slate. And I'd consider that pretty low stakes. I mean, especially for someone trying to play for a living. Uh, let's say you play 300 slates a year. If you have a 10% ROI on each slate, you're only making $100 per slate. That's 30K a year. That's before taxes, which by the way, there's no way around taxes in DFS. At the end of the year, you will get a 1099 MISC from the sites if you win. And the government will also get that 1099 MISC. Like you have to pay taxes on it. So that 30K that you won is also before you get health insurance, before you pay your taxes, before you invest in any IRAs, aka no benefits. Okay. So obviously 30K pre-tax, pre-insurance isn't going to cut it. Maybe Maybe we can play 3K a slate for 300 slates a year. And then we're at 90K if we can sustain the 10% ROI. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. You know, we're making 90K, good. However, I think a lot, I would think long and hard about whether you can sustain a 10% ROI at 3K a slate for all sports, not just football, all of them. You know, let's be honest, the games in MLB and NBA are tougher than NFL. There's just not as many casuals out there playing big or even playing at all in those games. I'd also think about if you're up for playing 300 slates a year, like that's a ton of work, a full-blown, full-time job, way more than 40 hours a week. 
So look, the other thing I'd say is that the games are always changing. You know, you can run hot for a little literal year. You can run cold for a literal year. It's tough to know what your exact ROI is. I think it sounds to me like you should stay in school, you know, keep grinding, see if you can run up a roll big enough to start playing pretty big, you know, five figures a slate. And if you can win at that level, you know, then we can talk again. I, I will say this. One advantage when you are 20 years old is you can be incredibly aggressive with your role. Like if you want to take shots, you want to play bigger than you should, you know, you don't want to ignore Kelly, you want to take on some risk of busting. I think that's okay when you're 20 years old. You know, I can't do that anymore. I have a wife, you know, two kids, a dog, a company, you know, parents who may need me in the future. I mean, I'm up to my dick in responsibility. I can't incur even a, you know, 1% risk of ruin or a half percent risk of ruin. But when you're 20, I mean, who cares if you bust your role? It's not great, but like you'll just live on ramen for a while and drink natty ice and, and you'll grind it back up, you know, uh, hopefully. But yeah, good luck, man. Question four from Jesse Williams. He says, getting married this Saturday. After a slow start to the season, my luck has been turning around. Is the optimal strategy to have action on Sunday or stick to wedding festivities? Yeah, just, just stop, Jesse. You know, don't be ridiculous. This is, you know, hopefully, hopefully a once in a lifetime experience in your life, getting married, you know, super special. There is absolutely no shot you should even risk any distraction this weekend. There are always more slates. There is a never-ending stream of action. There is only one wedding night and one wedding weekend. I mean, can you imagine, you know, Jesse's wife has her, her wedding night outfit still on Sunday morning. You know, she's looking to consummate the union again. Uh, but wait, uh, hang on. Ian Rappaport just tweeted that the Panthers changed their mind. You know, Christian McCaffrey isn't playing today. Oh, here I come, honey. Oh, here I come right, right after I do a global swap to Mike Davis. I mean, that's just ridiculous, you know? Don't play, Jesse. Take it easy. Enjoy your wedding, man. Uh, congratulations. Question five from Nick. He says, if I'm making a lineup on the main slate and when I'm finished, my whole roster is playing at noon, should I just play that lineup in the early only contest? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot. Um, my answer is no. If you think the right lineup on the main slate is all guys at 1 p.m. Eastern, effectively what you're saying is that there are quote unquote wrong plays at other times or not as strong plays or plays that don't fit what you consider to be the right build. So in that case, we want to play the full slate so we allow our opponents to do things that we believe are a, are a mistake. You know, let them hang themselves. Because if we play the 1 p.m. only slate with that lineup, well, more people are going to be playing our plays because they simply have less choices. Question six from friend of the show, Josh ADHD. In light of the latest Lucky Maverick, did you guys record Bales through the wall while he was quote-unquote working? What were you giggling about? Yeah, so uh, ADHD is referring to Bales' newsletter, uh, Lucky Maverick. Uh, yesterday, Bales wrote about the 6-12-18-24 bet uh, that we did in Vegas a few years ago. Uh, basically, the bet is that you have 24 hours to complete four tasks, running miles, drinking beers, eating donuts, and jerking off. You assign numbers to each, so Bales chose... Six miles, 12 jerks, 18 beers, and 24 donuts to do in 24 hours. Uh, you can read his newsletter uh, if you want more details. Uh, I ended up losing 6K on the bet, but but honestly, it, it was worth it, man. You know, so fucking funny and and really was a great trip. We had a, a Airbnb, me, Mans, uh, uh, CSU, Peter, Friedman, uh, Bales. And, and I mean, Bales is just, 
you know, sitting around eating and drinking and then retreating to his room to beat and, and Freeman's going in there to verify completion, you know, aka no dry coming. Uh, so yeah, we were, we were laughing the whole time. I mean, the thing is, there was never really a doubt that Bales was going to do it. Um, I will say though, he did catch like the most mild fucking summer Vegas day I've ever seen. It was like 90, but not humid at all. It was actually kind of cloudy, which it never is in Vegas. And then this track that he ran the miles at, it was like a high school track or whatever. They had uh, sprinklers, fucking sprinklers going as he passed the first turn. So he got a little soak each time he went around the track. I mean, ridiculous. Um, But yeah, you know, that uh, achievement combined with some of the lifting and pull-ups that we've done over the years just gave me so much confidence on the push-up bet that Bales did a few months ago, you know, just such a lock. So happy to get even on, on 6, 12, 18, 24 through the push-ups. So, so yeah. Question seven from Anthony Amico. He says, I need the top and bottom three coaches in the SFM sex frequency model right now. Yeah, so Anthony is referring to a proprietary model that we've been working on here at Gender Labs, the SFM or sex frequency model. In the beta version we have now, and we hope to have the full model released to the public in Q3 of 2021, but in this beta version, we're only examining NFL head coaches. And this came up because some reporter earlier this week accidentally said the word sex instead of success during a Doug Peterson press conference. And Peterson looked like, you know, he got hit by lightning. I mean, he was just just froze. Anyway, I'm not going to give away the, the top three and the bottom three here in the SFM, but I'll give you the top one the top one in the SFM. Number one, and I know what you're thinking, right? Like it has to be Cliff Kingsbury. Has to be. You know, I saw him I saw him on draft night in the sick bachelor pad in Arizona. You know, he's only 41 years old. He's in shape. However, he's not even close. It's all a facade of the fake sharp. And, and that's made very clear because he was dating Holly Saunders, who has since gone on to marry Vegas Dave, aka the biggest fraud on the entire internet. So no, it's not Cliff. And I know what else you're thinking. Oh, Adam, number one in the SFM, it's Sean McVay. You know, he's engaged to Veronica Cohen, a model from Ukraine, like ridiculously hot. But but nah, you know, uh, McVay is is not on team smell the roses. He's just way too into football. Way, 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 way too into it. The answer for the number one head coach in the SFM is Mike Zimmer. Yes, that's right. And I know you're in shock right now. Mike Zimmer. What I need you to do right now is Google Mike Zimmer girlfriend and your mind is going to be blown. Absolutely blown the fuck away. Zimmer, 64 years old and famous for establishing the shit out of the run, is reportedly dating 38-year-old Katatina Elizabeth Miketon, former Maxim model, former Sports Illustrated model, currently on Instagram with some serious pictures. Just popping off the charts in the SFM. It's wild, man. It really is. But that's why we, you know, we don't, the thing about using models for this stuff is, and we talked about this with the PSM, we, there's no bias in models. We just use the data. And Mike Zimmer just far and away, number one in the SFM among NFL head coaches. Congrats to him. Okay. That is going to do it for today's solo pod. Be sure to head to the site for the stretch run. And if you're into NBA, season long or DFS, we are ready to rock. Details on the NBA tab. So many NBA slates coming up. Looking forward to it. For producer Luke. For Jerry. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.